First one being movies, that sounds right. The second one being albums, and now the third one, books and comics. So we got some movies on the list, we had some albums. Now, what better way to round out that bit of entertainment to have in your doomsday bunker than some reading material? Because let's face it, eventually that generator is going to go out. And you're not going to have those albums, you're not going to have those movies, so books are going to be the one source of entertainment that you're going to have left inside your doomsday bunker. Good news too, two uses for entertainment, and if it comes down to it, for fire. <laughs> I mean, a potential heat source, not very long, but, uh, but a double use for this. Useful, yet sacrilege all at the same time. Especially some of the ones that we picked. <laughs> Do you want to start off, Chad, with your two honorable mentions, your two quick grabs before the bombs start to drop? It's funny because I think a lot of these honorable mentions and a lot of the things that are in this are going to come up on either our upcoming best offs or best offs that have already happened because a lot of the stuff that we talk about is comics. One of the first honorable mentions I have is absolutely one of my rest stops in the past. It is a comic of my favorite superhero, Iron Fist, written by Ed Brisson. Iron Fist, The Trial of the Seven Masters. I have talked at length on the podcast about this before. It is an awesome encapsulation of the character Danny Rand in an internal conflict with himself and the power of the Iron Fist and his issues with his chi, and he has to go through and fight it's trial of the seven masters. He gets brought out on this island to see if he really should still be the protector of Kunlun or not. It's an awesome read. It's, it's some really good Iron Fist without having to have a huge backstory. My second honorable mention is by one of my other favorite writers, also favorite director, uh, Kevin Smith. He wrote a Green Arrow run for DC, which got all slapped together in a trade paperback. It is very much your classic quippy funny, inappropriate at times, Green Arrow. Uh, one of my favorite DC characters as well. The other side of the coin to the Marvel Comics, Hawkeye. Oliver Queen is, is a rich a rich boy that comes from a rich family that inherits the, you know, he brings on the, the moniker and the, the whole mantle of the Green Arrow to protect, um, oh God, is it Star City? No, it's not Star City. That doesn't seem right whatever. Give me a flag on the play. But uh, those are my two honorable mentions. Iron Fist, The Trial of the Seven Masters, and Kevin Smith's Green Arrow. Those are two big picks that I expected to see farther down that list. So the fact that they're honorable mentions means that there's got to be some good stuff coming away on your list. Some good stuff, some unexpected stuff. Looking at my list that I made, I made this list probably a month ago and haven't looked at it since and now that I'm looking at it I'm like hmm 
there's some books on here that I'd probably take off and there's some that I'd probably add in. I am going to switch up my list a little bit. Most of my list is comics, but now that I'm thinking about it, there are some actual like novel prose books that I would probably want to have in there. One of them being the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I have a paperback that's got all three books and the Silmarillion all together in one big book. So, in all actuality, that's like four books right there into one. Now I'm pissed because I left The Hobbit off of my list. God damn it. <laughs> so, that, that seems like a no-brainer just to throw on there. Great material. If you love the Lord of the Rings movies, if you've watched the extended versions, these books are like the extended, extended versions, especially when you get into the Silmarillion, and that's basically just like, here's the history of Middle-earth from the beginning of time all the way through the Lord of the Rings. It's a lot of stuff that I'd probably, especially the Silmarillion, it's stuff that unless I had nothing else to do sitting in a bunker, I probably wouldn't dig fully into it, but... All in all, that'd be some good material. They do a, a lot of walking in those books. They do a lot of walking. Even the trees walk in those movies. <laughs> and the second one that I will bring up is also a prose novel, and that is The Martian. If you remember, this was a Ridley Scott movie that came out a few years ago starring Matt Damon. Before that, it was a book, and if I have to choose between the two of them, I like the book a heck of a lot more. It's got a lot more in-depth information about what it takes for Matt Damon's character, the narrator. I don't know if he's got a name in the book. But what it takes for him to survive on Mars, being there all by himself, hoping to one day get off the planet or for somebody to come and save him, and to turn that soil into soil that, you know, you can grow food and vegetables on and get water and nutrients from the planet as well so i feel like granted yes it's mars and earth but it would be something good to have in your bunker to implement once it's safe to get out of that bunker and the world's nothing but a giant wasteland because the cool thing about that book is all of the math and all of the science is accurate like, the author went and made sure that everything that he was putting into the sci-fi book was accurate if a certain character was in this position on Mars. So, take that math, translate it to the Earth, and then, boom, not only do you have a good source of entertainment, but you might just have another chance and another way to survive longer in this apocalyptic world that we are hypothetically talking about. Practicality in a hypothetical world. I like it. So those are good honorable mentions. Again, uh, you know, you take these four and those could land in anybody's top five to go down into a doomsday bunker. But hopefully you see that in the top fives that we have, whether it's books that you, we've, you know, you've read or ones that we have uh, talked about in the past or even ones that you haven't read and aren't on your radar for some classics or some new age ones. Hopefully you guys really enjoy our list. I will start off my top five, the number five, with a Star Wars book. Ahsoka. So, for those of you who do not know, Ahsoka Tano is my favorite Star Wars character for my love of the Clone Wars. Yes, I love the movies as well. Han Solo is on my beat, but Ahsoka Tano is a character I really uh, connect with and can appreciate uh, the book. 
starts out basically immediately after Order 66 is put in place. So it's her when she is like really conflicted and she's like, I, I just, I don't know if I can follow the Jedi Order anymore. I don't like the, the politics that are involved. So she moves along and, and begins her journey afterwards, but she doesn't know exactly what has happened with Order 66 because she's off like Coruscant, she's off all the main world, she's on the Outer Rim. She can feel a disturbance in the Force and that there's only a small handful of like Jedi's left. Like it, She can't feel the Force as strongly as she could before, but she's not sure that anything is wrong because she can still feel Obi-Wan and her master Anakin and Yoda because after Order 6, as we know, those characters all survive. So it, it lends to that where she's she's not really quite sure what's going on. She knows something isn't right, but because all of the you know the people in the order that she was connected with are still around, she's like, well, it can't be so bad. But obviously, just she doesn't really know what's going on with Anakin and things like that. So this book, I would highly recommend. It's a pretty quick read. It's it's fun. It's very Star Warsy. But again, it's it's more lends itself to the original trilogy where there's not just Jedi's running around all over the place. It's basically the Republic causing trouble and being a pain in everybody's ass. So that would be my number five. And then my number four, we're bringing them back again, Kevin Smith and with the illustrator Walt Flanagan, Batman Widening Gyre. So this uh, book was Kevin Smith's first crack at Batman. It's one of his first DC books. And it is... I just, it's awesome because not only does it incorporate Batman, but it incorporates other characters. I'm not going to tell you exactly who, but it is a Kevin Smith created character who shows up eventually. It is an awesome book. It's Batman kind of trying to find his way out of the vigilante business, more into just regular day-to-day life. And he comes across another character in Baphomet that he thinks can really pick up the mantle and not necessarily be Batman, but be the Batman after Batman is gone. It's an awesome book with a lot of twists and turns, and I know I'm impartial. No, I'm not impartial. I am not impartial, so does that mean I am partial to my guys in the Smod cast and the Kevin Smith uh, universe with Walt Flanagan's illustration. I enjoy him and everything I've read him in or seen him in, uh, so that would be my number four, would be Batman Widening Gyre. Awesome picks. Again, you being the big Star Wars fan and the big Ahsoka fan that I know you to be, that one didn't surprise me. If one day they had a collected big version that had the two Batman stories written by Kevin Smith and then that third one that's not done yet, if that got completed and put together in one big book, would that be the one that would be in that spot then on your list? Oh, for... yeah. It would take up that compendium rule, the, the series rule, same as the movies, the collections, if you will. Awesome, awesome. All right, I will go into my fifth and fourth picks on this list. For number five, I'm going to go with a book that I've also talked about before on the podcast. And that would be Hawkeye by Matt Fraction, the omnibus that collects that entire run. It's such a fantastic run. It's a good starting point for Hawkeye. You can go into it fresh without having any knowledge about the character. You don't really need a whole lot of knowledge about the Marvel Universe in general going into this book. It does a very good job catching you up to speed. It shows Clint Barton's life outside of the Avengers, outside of the missions. He has the money that he has made. 
from being an Avenger, and he goes and he buys an apartment building in kind of a shady neighborhood that is previously owned by a bunch of, like, Russian mobsters that like to say, bruh, a lot, and dressed up in, like, the Adidas jumpsuits, like, sweatsuits, like, the very stereotypical, like, Russian mobster. And then it's just, it goes into that. It does a great job of introducing Kate Bishop as the other Hawkeye and branching her off into her own character as well. Halfway through the series, mini spoilers here, but not really. Uh, Halfway through the series, she leaves New York. She leaves Hawkeye, Clint Barton. She's like, your troubles are more than enough for me to handle on top of my own. So she goes off to California on her own to start something of herself. And that's kind of where her series, um, written by Kelly Thompson, picks up. But it's just such a fantastic book, especially from the artist Asia. It's like very minimalist, simple art, but it's very detailed and there's a lot of stuff going on all at the same time that would be my number five pick my number four would have to be revival by tim seeley i would probably have that entire series in my doomsday bunker as well this series holds a special place in my heart because it's an indie series that takes place right in the area where i grew up in takes place in Wassa, Wisconsin, and Wassa's kind of like this uh, quarantined, restricted zone because people that have recently died have started to come back to life, and it's about how this small town in the middle of Wisconsin is dealing with this now national event because all of these people are seeing what's going on. They want to get into Wisconsin and like see what's going on themselves and just what this area of the state is doing to cope with all these people that are coming back because when they come back everything seems fine and normal until they start to change a little bit and that's all the farther I'll go as far as spoilers go with that but one of the funnest parts of that series while you're reading it especially if you grew up in the area is you see all of these uh, buildings and all of these different locations that you know. I mean, it's one thing to be a New Yorker, to grow up in New York and read all of like the Marvel comics and see all of the buildings and you overlook it at a certain point because you've just seen all those buildings so often. It's but oversaturation. You see it at everything. Yes, but when you have a story that takes place in Wisconsin, which hardly ever happens but then to have it in the city right outside of your hometown it's really cool to see all that stuff and it would be a good piece of entertainment to remember the old days the the old world the good old days and it's just it's such a good series too um it's an indie series you don't have to know anything going into it so if you haven't checked it out i highly suggest it Like we've said before, these Doomsday Files are very much just like an extended best-off recommendation episode. So I highly recommend that, and it lands in my number four spot. Some of these picks cannot be surprising to people, because the way we fawn over our favorite characters, and in addition to that, our favorite, like, producers of the media. So, like, Kevin Smith, Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction. I haven't heard Brubaker's name yet, but I'm sure he'll show up on your list. Um... So these lists like this, they can't be a huge shock to the people listening. They might, the content itself may be like, oh man, 
I didn't know Kevin Smith did a Green Arrow run, but of course Chad picked something by Kevin Smith. And of course Hawkeye pops up on your list. And then, like you said, too, give it a little throwback to the Midwest of the Midwestern nerds. It is so cool whenever... I mean, it's almost anything when you're watching a TV show. Like, we're watching MasterChef right now, my wife and I, and there's somebody on there from Wisconsin. And while at first I was super excited because I was like, hey, that's us, she has become very irritating and cries all the time. So I'm like, this is a really poor representation of us. But um, it's always really nice to feel more a part of something, and especially when it's a comic book or a comic book run that is based solely in that one it's not like oh we showed up in wisconsin for one or two pages and then we panned out they're there all the time and like you said you're not just hearing about it you're seeing it you're seeing all those places where you grew up whether it's the shops or the buildings or the locations it's just so cool to feel a part of that before we jump into our number three and number two picks we are going to step aside for a brief moment to give a little love and shout out to our sponsors but we will be back with the action after this and we are back with the action once again to bring you our number three and our number two spots for the books that we would have in our doomsday bunkers. Sorry to disappoint you guys. I know it's only 30 seconds of ads, but that's all we have right now. So you have to listen to us talk again. <laughs> Chad, why don't you start us off once again with your number three pick? Number three, and I'm taking your rules that you invoked in the first doomsday files to take a collection or a series of books and it is the harry potter series awesome i have loved the harry potter series from when i was a kid as an adult now i get to reread them with my son because they have the uh like the storybook versions the big ones that have illustrations in them i never grow tired of these books and someone's like well why do you want to have the books if you have the movies in there too they're not the same not no, at all. <laughs> they're not the same. No, they they both can be enjoyed for different reasons at different times. But it Harry Potter has continued to be a series that I go back to again and again and again. I do not have to give a backstory or a synopsis of this book series. If you haven't read it by now, just go pick it up. You know you should have by now. If you need a copy, let me know. I think I have three different <laughs> series sets of them that I get when they do different illustrations and stuff like that. Some that haven't even been cracked yet. Some that have been cracked so many times that the spines are going to fall apart. Something that always brings me back to happy. Like, I can read it, and it doesn't matter if it's a happy part of the book or a sad part of the book. I'm just in my happy place because it takes me back to that kid who was reading, you know, the Harry Potter books back when they were coming out. Um, so that is my number three. Which version are you throwing in your bunker because you said and i know for a fact too that you have different versions of box sets of these books which version is the one that's coming off your shelf and into your bunker i guess for longevity i should probably get the one that my parents bought me for christmas two years ago it had brand new illustration art on all the covers and then when you lined up all, when the spines are all lined up in the in the case that it comes in it's hogwarts like the, all the spines combined so i think just for the sake of longevity because the other ones are already so beat up i think i would bring that one and again i love the classic you know cover art but the new illustrations are fun too and if i'm just being practical like we talked about before what's going to last the longest would be the new ones so i would go with the new set it's awesome it's powder blue it came out like i said either two or three years ago most positive it's a 2018 release but that is the collection that i would pick on to number two, another familiar face, another familiar 
writer. The Immortal Iron Fist from Matt Fraction and Ed Brubaker. We have talked about this one before. I know I'm beating a dead horse, but this horse is very lively. I love <laughs> this series that not only delves into Danny Rand as the Iron Fist, but all past Iron Fists. It talks about the reincarnation of the Iron Fist, how it happens, who is the old ones, Orson Randall, you know, Danny Rand. They talk about all the old warriors from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It's just a really good read that does an awesome job of giving the true backstory of the Iron Fist that you don't get in some of the other books. So the Immortal Iron Fist is a great place to start because it talks about how Danny Rand gets his powers and again, how the reincarnation system works and exactly what the power of Shaolau the Undying really is because it's different in every single Iron Fist that gets reincarnated. So yeah, I absolutely would put that. I can't do a list of the top five books, even with honorable mentions, and leave off Fraction or Brubaker. So this gets me the best of both worlds combined into one. That is still one book that I haven't read. And now I can't really have an excuse because I own the book. I bought it not too long ago. <laughs> but it's one of the ones that's sitting on my stacks. Yes, plural, stacks. The to-do of, stack. Of books that are on my floor because I've ran out of bookshelf space. But hopefully now with the new house can fix that problem put them properly up on shelves and then pull that one off and give it a read because you talk about that book until you're blue in the face and like you said fraction and especially brew baker like it's only a matter of time before i jump into it very good choices choices that i expected to see on this list so going into my number three pick i'm going to go with Batman by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, The Omnibus. This book collects four different miniseries into one book. It's one of those miniseries that can stand apart from one another, but they also are a continuing story. So you could read one from front to back cover and be completely satisfied with the story, and if you don't read the rest of them, you're not going to lose any skin off your teeth but you're gonna get a lot more out of these four books if you sit down and crack them open so to take the hardcover giant tomb of a book the sacred texts as my girlfriend and I call them this is one that I, I had to have a Batman one in my cave and this is the one that I would have in there it contains the story that we talked about in a past episode the long Halloween which is one of the most acclaimed Batman stories out there. It's the one story that the majority of the movies that have come out have some way, shape, or form taken inspiration from. It sees Batman pairing off against villains and trying to solve a mystery that's taking place with crimes each month on a different holiday. It also sees the rise and fall of Harvey Dent and his transformation into Two-Face. You get the Maroni and the Falcone crime families and all that drama in there. And that's just one of the four stories that is in this book. So that takes my number three spot. My number two spot is Punisher by Greg Rucka. This, to me, this is the run that really got me into Punisher. Before this, I didn't really have a big attachment to him. Like, he was always, to me, more of a villain than an anti-hero. 
but this was the story that gave this character a lot of depth, a lot of growth, and at the same time, barely had him speak any words throughout the entire run. A lot of this story branched forward with its supporting characters, including the second lead in the series that this series introduced, Rachel Cole Alves. The series starts off with giving her a similar circumstance as the Punisher. Her whole family pretty much gets ripped apart from her. She's got a military background. She's basically like a second Punisher, a female Punisher, but you get two people that are put in the same situation and react to it in different ways. And it's it's some powerful stuff. The artwork by Marco Cicchetto, who is by far one of the most slept-on artists in the comic book industry. His art is absolutely gorgeous, and his Punisher is absolutely badass. And I like that I could potentially cosplay as him if I really wanted to, because his Punisher supports a beard, also has some battle scars. He's got, like, half of his face covered up in bandages for the majority of the run from something that happens way early in issue three it's a fantastic run it's one that i couldn't leave in the house i would i would need it in my in my bunker so now that we gave you guys our second and third picks before we jump into our number one i'm gonna ask chad is there any books that just were a bit shy of reaching your top seven list i like a lot of biographies um, because I like finding things that are written about my favorite people, whether it's my favorite superheroes or my favorite Star Wars characters or my favorite real-life uh, people and, and heroes. Um, there's one... And I'm going to blank on his name in the podcast. There's one guy who did an awesome job with the Jim Henson biography as well as the George Lucas one that I'm about three-quarters of the way through right now. He writes the, these biographies really, really well, where same as documentaries, biographies are the same as if they're not done well, so if they're not shot well, or if they're not written well, they're, they, they're not entertaining. Like, it ends up turning into a textbook if you don't write the stories right, and oh, I'm going to keep kicking myself. Um, those ones got left out. Also, some other autobiographies, or biographies, rather. Uh, there's two about Sinatra, Sinatra the Entertainer, and then Sinatra the Chairman. Those ones are awesome books as well. It really dives into things with the Rat Pack and some of the other famous singers and celebrities from that time that um, that I really enjoy. Again, I can't really get away from, like, I talked about Harry Potter, but the collections, again, um, if, I, if I was taking the collection that's new and it's the safest collection, that's the newest and the le- least broken in, if our families are in the bunkers, I have to change my pick and it's got to be the illustrated versions. They're just not all out yet. So if Doomsday happens tomorrow, if I want to take a complete collection, I can't, you know, just for pictures, I can't fold uh, just to do the <laughs> illustrated versions. Yes, there's a handful of autobiographies just because a lot of these people who were such a huge part of, like, Frank Sinatra is one of my favorite artists of all time. Everything Jim Henson does, I have loved from childhood to now. I still have such a huge place in my heart for the Muppets and for uh, Sesame Street especially with a new baby on the way, I'm excited to be able to watch all that stuff again and not be shamed for it um, <laughs> like I usually am. I'm sorry. Sometimes I like to plug in a Muppet's Christmas Carol, okay? I don't care that it's July, but uh, 
So that's exciting. Uh, and then again, you know, George Lucas, obviously, with being such a huge um, Star Wars fan, it's awesome to see where these guys started. And, and you know, it kind of gives you hope, kind of like with this podcast. A lot of people start at the beginning, and it's hard, and it's tough, and it's tough sledding. But you can see where these things to go. I don't want to be on record saying that this podcast is going to turn into Star Wars by any by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, it's just nice to know that you're not the only guy who started a thousand mile long journey with the first step. There's three things that I can think of off the top of my head that just didn't make the cut that I wish they would have. There are two Doctor Who novels that feature the tenth Doctor. One's called Prisoner of the Daleks, and one is called The Eyeless. That, being Doctor Who, I would want them in my bunker, especially if, you know, the generators went out, we lost all power, and I can't watch any Doctor Who anymore. At least I'd have that little bit of Doctor Who in there, but those didn't quite make the list. Another book that has a near and dear place in my heart that not a lot of people know Uh, just because I don't talk about it a whole lot, is The War of the Worlds. This was the first book that I remember falling in love with. I remember we picked up the Illustrated Classics edition on our vacation to Canada when I was about, like, five or six. I was really little at the time. But I saw the cover. I thought it looked really sweet begged mom and dad to buy it for me they bought it just so I would have something to entertain myself on this drive and I remember reading that book twice on that trip I loved it so much the illustrations in that book were awesome as well yeah it's the first book that I remember falling in love with and then of course my love for reading just kind of branched from there so again that's another book that deals with kind of some post-apocalyptic scenarios so maybe it would be a good guide to navigate into the new world otherwise it would just be a good piece of entertainment and the last and final thing that i regret didn't make the list and didn't make its way into the bunker this is gonna shock chad but ed brubaker's run on captain america did not make my list how dare you and the reason being it's just there's too much content I would, me being a completionist, I would want to have either all or none, and if I had the omnibus, which I don't, but if I did, there's five volumes that make up his entire run. Oh, dear. So that's like five textbook, Bible-sized books that would just take up way too much room in the bunker, and like I said, if I can't have them all, I'm going to have none. So, unfortunately, it's sad to say, but... Bucky is one of my all-time favorite Marvel characters, and it's because of Ed Brubaker's run, but it just didn't make the cut. All right, so those are some honorable mention honorable mentions (laughs) that we left off our list, but to read them back, I'll give you mine first, my technically seven to two, so starting off with Iron Fist and the Trial of the Seven Masters was an honorable mention. In addition to Green Arrow by Kevin Smith, five was Ahsoka. I don't have the author on hand. Uh, my number four was Kevin Smith and Walt Flanagan's widening, or sorry, Batman widening gyre. Number three was the Harry Potter series or collection, whatever you want to call it. And then two was Matt Fraction and Ed Brubaker's The Immortal Iron Fist. 
And for my top seven, number seven was The Martian. Number six was the Lord of the Rings series and one big complete collected book. Number five was Hawkeye by Matt Fraction, the Omnibus. Number four was Revival by Tim Seeley. I kind of cheated with that one. There's four volumes of that, but those are those books are small enough where I would consider them to be a one-and-done situation. Number three was Batman by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, The Omnibus. Number two was Punisher by Greg Rucka. I have those in single issues. They haven't released a big collected book of those yet, so... A small stack of single-issue comic books can fit its way into the bunker. And my number one pick would have to be The Spider-Man Run by J. Michael Straczynski. This is my all-time favorite Spider-Man run. This run gave a lot of depth and growth to a character. This run, to me, turned Peter Parker from a young adult into a full adult. It brought on all the the real world scenarios, the responsibilities. It brought him and Mary Jane back together and it got him closer to his Aunt May for other reasons that I'm not going to spoil because it's a big moment in the book. You also get the Civil War and Spider-Man's introduction into the Avengers before that. There's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of new mythology that's introduced into this run with the spider persona in general and the powers that come with that. This run is absolutely incredible. I highly recommend it to anyone and everyone. There are some controversial things about this run that some people don't like. One of them I found to be shocking, and I enjoyed it for that aspect, which was the Sins Past storyline. Not going to go into details about that. I recommend you check it out and have your own opinion on it. But the way that, that this run ends is very unfortunate because it it took everything that Straczynski built on his 10 years, 10 years writing Spider-Man and just kind of threw it out the window, um, which is ultimately why he ended up leaving the book was because the people upstairs were like, this is the direction we want Spider-Man to go in, not the direction you're taking him into. So if this is going to be your last story, this is the way it's going to be. And that is one more day. So unfortunately, this run has kind of a, a bittersweet ending, a sour ending, but the ride up to that is is more worth your ride than not checking it out at all for those reasons. This is the run that really that I dove headfirst into with comic books. Um, I started reading Spider-Man during the Civil War era, which is towards the end of this run, but after that, I kind of went backwards, jumped into it, and then that's when I really started to get into comics, collect comics and make it a priority to go out and get them. So because of its importance to me and just starting its journey and just because it's incredible work revolving my favorite Marvel character, it, it had to be the number one spot. This whole run is collected into two big omnibus that I that I own. So those two volumes would be absolutely having a spot in my bunker and is my number one pick. My... Number one is also when I really 
fell in love and really got into into reading comics. I know I talked for the longest time. I read them when I was younger. I did some some light collecting, but again, we talked about how we kind of you know somewhat closeted that away, or I did for sure. Um, and then uh, one of the reasons that we connected it was through the Walking Dead comics. So whether you're picking it up single issue, whether you're doing it through compendiums. This, to me, is the definition of a graphic, graphic novel. It is so fun to read because it's what you want The Walking Dead to be on AMC if you could get it on HBO Max. Mm. Like, there are no holds, bars, the things that happen to these characters, like, the gruesomeness. Like, I'll give you one little spoiler from the book, and it can't be a spoiler because it happened in the show, but it happens differently. So if anybody doesn't want to hear it, skip about 30 seconds ahead. Do you want to hear it? I'm fine. Okay. So in the show, Lori, so Rick's wife, dies giving birth. And then Judith goes on to live happily forever after. In the comics, they both survive the birth, but when the governor overruns the prison... Lori gets shot in the back, and it goes through the baby. I I saw that that panel. I yeah. remember seeing that panel, and it was a huge spoiler. But at the same time, I was like, "Holy crap!" If that is if that is not enough to tell you what the rest of the compendium looks like, like more of the stuff with the governor. You thought he was a bad guy. Oh, he, the the show puts such training wheels and bubble wrap on him and makes him a soft he's basically soft and cuddly when it comes to the the comics or when it comes to the tv show compared to what happens in the comics like it is insane again they did a good job in certain areas of like tying the storylines together the show will branch off for a while but then come back to its roots one thing that you do miss out on in the comics is there is no Daryl or Merle Dixon. So a huge component that is missing from, you know, from the show that's missing in the comic books. But again, they do different characters, different ways. And they make, you know, some characters that I despised in the show way better in the books. And I just think overall, while I love the walking dead and I love the TV series and I'm glad that we got to see it on the TV screen, like see it fully embodied. There is no, comparison to the comics and it's the same thing too with like harry potter or like you know the lord of the rings while they're great the books give you everything you want um so that has to be my number one i'm taking all the compendiums those things are thick they are heavy but they're not an honorable mention so i'm not grabbing them on my way out the door they're already in there in their stack robert kirkman is a genius and that's part of the reason that i think the show is so successful because while Greg Nicotero is an awesome director and producer on that show, having Kirkman on there to help steer the ship, especially through the first couple seasons, I think what bode, boded really well for the success of the show and the longevity of it. I remember when we lived together, I started the books, or I started the first compendium, because I took it off your shelf and I started reading it. I didn't make it that far through, and then I think it was around the time when we moved out when we went our separate ways. Uh, but I recently picked up all four compendiums for a really good deal. Nice. So those are also on my stacks of books on my floor. It's part of that. But uh, I will be checking that out very soon just because the story is all complete. It's all done. Like, it's all contained in these four big books. Uh, so I can jump into it and 
get through it start to finish. And it's been long enough since I've watched The Walking Dead where I feel like I'm not going to remember enough to like sway me one way or the other. Because sometimes if I have exposure to something in some different form, most of the time it's going into movies and having read the source material. I'll have very strong opinions based off of what's already present, which was also part of why I kind of struggled getting into the Walking Dead comics to begin with, just because I already had my uh, assumptions and my feelings towards certain things and characters that were kind of not going how I wanted them to. And so it's also a reason why I, I didn't get very far into Game of Thrones either, is for that reason. But I feel like it's been long enough where uh, I can jump into that series headlong and really appreciate it for what it is. Excellent. These are, again, I look back and, like, as we went through our movies list and our albums, like, I went back and rewatched some of the movies on my list and re-listened to the albums, and I think the same thing is going to happen here, which is bad because I have a stack myself, <laughs> not multiple stacks like Brian, but I have stacks myself that need to go, I need to get into and read first, so I'm trying so hard not to break into old stuff again, and Brian doesn't help me get through my stack because every gift giving holiday that we exchange gifts, he adds more trade paperbacks to my stacks. I do. So the piles <laughs> keep getting bigger. Do you have anything else that you want to add to this doomsday file before we lock it away as classified? No, I think, I think this was a good episode. I, the one thing that I really like about doing these doomsday file episodes with you is as much as I know about you, I still walk away learning so much more than I did. And you've been like one of my best friends for years now. And I, I go into these, I'm like, I know what he's going to pick. And then you throw in a fast one and I'm like, <laughs> what? Or I'm like, Hey, he's going to have that on there. It's going to be like in his top two and it doesn't even make the list. And it, it, it surprises me. But then again, it's, you sit down, you have these kind of conversations, and you get to learn more about each other. And I think what I'll add to that, too, is while there are some surprising things, I know we love nerding out about sports and about our news topics and things every week, but these are truly love letters that we're writing. Like, these are the love that we put into these episodes, especially, I mean, we work hard on all of our podcasts, but the love that goes into these, because I absolutely can say everything here I love some things we talk about in the news it's like okay it's fine you know this is important to nerd culture or whatever it may be or we enjoy this but it's not that true love and compassion or not compassion but passion that we have for these books and I can feel that when we talk about them and I hopefully our listeners can too and for your post-apocalyptic Midwestern nerds, I am Chad Coffin and I'm Brian Stoffel and whether it's beer brats comics or pops keep, keep it nerdy, nerdy.